Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Well, you sounded a lot louder a minute ago when I was back there. How are y'all doing today? Everybody doing good? Man, Justin gets y'all to shout. I can't get you to do anything. What's up with that? Man, we want to say welcome to Journey. If this is a first time, uh, if you're a first time guest, we want to say thanks for being here. You could have chosen a million other places, but you chose here, and we want to honor that today. Uh, but I also want to get everybody on the same sheet of music. We've been in a series called Choose Wisely, and I've said this just about every week. I don't think there's been a more timely series or service uh, that we've ever had at Journey, because if there's ever been a time in the course of history that we've had to make or needed to make wise choices, it's right now especially with the topic we're going to talk about today. And so I'm going to kind of ease everybody's mind. We're talking about a tough topic today. It's going, to, it's going to be one that's going to make some of you feel uncomfortable. Some of you, as soon as I say the name of the topic and start talking about it, you're going to shrivel back. I want you to, I just want everybody to understand that, that we're all going to be good today. At the end of the message, we're going to pray. We're going to love Jesus together. Okay, we're going to walk through our community. We're going to make his name famous. Y'all good with that? Because it happened this past week. I'm hanging out with a guy who um, had been in church and then stopped going to church. And I asked him the question, I said, what made you stop going to church? And he, he rattled off a bunch of things, maybe same, some of the same that you have, you know, uh, they felt like the, the preacher was, uh, wasn't authentic or everybody was, it was clicky or, and, and, but his last one, it caught me a little bit off guard. And he said this, he said, he said, all the church talks about is money. Oh, you guys know this pastor, huh? You been to that church? All the church talks about is money. And I assured him that it was not journey because we don't talk about money a lot. We will, you're never going to have, we're never going to have a thermometer up here that says last week, everybody gave this amount and we were supposed to be at this amount and we reach our target goal. Um, for 19 years, we have been blessed by God. Extravagant generosity has happened. We've never had to have a building plan or a building program. We've never had, you know, this week we need to raise three million. We've never had to do that. Uh, and so when I told him that we don't talk a lot about money, I didn't tell him that this week we were going to talk about money. <laughs> so he was in first service and he walked up and he said, bruh, I'm like, dude, I have to talk about it. And here's the deal. You know what? I think there's a way to talk about money and honor God at the same time. Because the truth of the matter is, God talks about money a lot in the Bible. And, and, and there's other reasons too. I think, you know, one of the reasons we need to talk about money, do you know what the number one argument in couples is? Nope. Directions. <laughs> GPS. How to read a map. I almost, only twice in 30 years that I almost get divorced. Both of them were over GPS. Anybody else besides me? Like, no, just one person. Thanks for leaving me hanging. Love you guys. The second reason is money. As a matter of fact, there was a study of newlyweds. They were married less than one year. 68% of the newlyweds said the largest argument they had in that first year was over money and finances. How we're going to spend it, how we're not going to spend it, who's going to save, when we're going to save, how we're going to put money in this place. What, are we going to give to the church or not going to give to the church? So the number one, and 50%, a study just came out a couple weeks ago, 50% of divorces happen or start because of a financial crisis or a financial problem. They're arguing. They're not on the same sheet of music with each other. 
So we should be talking about it just for that. If we want our marriages to work, we want to be God honoring in, in, in our, our finances and our money. So that's one reason. Here's another one. And I've learned this. I've been doing this a long time. I've learned this right here. People that can't control money can't control other areas of their lives either. They can't control their mouth. They can't control the, you know, the, the, what, what they do with their time. They can, because it's, it's, a, it's a discipline issue. See, money is not a money issue. We're going to talk about this at the very end. Money is not a, a, dollar, a dollar amount. It's not dollar and cents. It's about discipline. It's about honoring. It's about trust. Another reason we need to talk about money is because I have learned this, no matter how much, and this is the majority of the people I know, no matter how much they have in their income, they're not satisfied. There's a large portion of it. I remember 30, uh, 1991, so you do the math. 1991, I went into full-time ministry. The, the pastor offered us a salary, and the salary was $24,000 a year. That's how much my first, I was a youth pastor at another church in town. $24,000 a year. And I remember hanging out with other couples because I came from uh, the, the, the financial planning area, and I was making a lot more than, than 24. But my wife told me, because she's right all the time, she told me that she goes, if you're not doing what God's called you to do, you will never be happy, regardless of how much money that you have. Somebody needs to say amen to that. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. If you're not doing what God's called you to do, you'll never be happy. But I, so I got into ministry making $24,000. And, and back then, and you know what I found out? That even in the world we live in today, you may not believe this, $24,000 is a lot of money to a lot of people. Like, like, like if you have 25, like you are in the richest of the rich in the world that we live in. But I had a couple, we had a couple of friends and they were, they were making substantially more, like four times the amount, and they would complain about it. They would go, man, like, I don't know what we're going to do. We're only making $80,000. This is 1991. That's a lot of money. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you'll never be satisfied with anything. I've watched it with employees. I've watched it over 30 years of having people at the church. They'll go to another church for a thousand or two thousand or five thousand dollars more, or they'll go into another whole industry or a whole another, uh, you know, just for a couple thousand dollars more. And they get there and they realize all of a sudden how good the climate and the culture was. And they get over there and it, it, the money, how many people know this? Money cannot buy you happiness. It, it, may, it, may, it may buy you, and somebody going, I'd like to give it a try. The happiest people I know are not the wealthiest people I know. And it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the attitude that they have toward money. So no matter what their income, most people. Here's another one. Jesus taught about the attitude of money. 38 parables in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the Gospels. 38 parables, Jesus talked about money. I mean, 38 he talked. Third of them he talked about money. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous quotes that we've heard, where your heart is, there will you find your treasures. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. So if Jesus talked about it, we should talk about it too. And the Bible has a lot to say about it, the entire Bible, but specifically Proverbs. And I can't tell you, if like, just so everybody understands, I'm not going to give you a get-rich scheme plan today. I'm not going to tell you how to increase your salary. What I'm going to tell us how to do and talk to us about is how to manage what we have right now. Now, I'm going to make a promise. Okay, here's the promise. Everybody, I got everybody's attention, right? Some of you are starting because you're going to talk about money. It's going to get really personal in a minute. Here's what we're going to we're, I don't have any special offering at the end of service. Okay, you hear me on this? I'm, I'm not going to make a plea for a building plan that we're working on. None of that's happening today. There's not a special project. I'm not going to ask anybody to pass a bucket uh, and, and we're going to do you know, something for beautiful feet. I'm going to let Alan do all that at the very end of service. But while I'm talking, I'm just kidding. While I'm talking, we're not, gonna, we're not doing that today. You, you are in a safe place 
to hear a dangerous message. We say it all the time at Journey. So today, the dangerous message is we're going to talk about this concept of money, and we're doing it in a God-honoring way. And I want to say five things today. There's five bold statements I'm going to make today that I think will help us as far as managing our money. And the first one is this. In order to manage our money and keep God honored in the process, we need to start keeping track of our spending. That's the biggest issue. Most people don't know how much they spend. I did it yesterday. You ever done this? You break a 20 or you break a 50 or whatever you got in your wallet. It doesn't make a difference to the amount. But you break it and then the next day you open your wallet up and the money's gone. You know, like, And your kid didn't take it. Your wife didn't take it. None of that happened. You just spent it somewhere. You bought a, a Coke at the Circle K. You, you, know, you, 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 know, you paid for something. And you're like, where did it all go? What, what happened to my money? Well, the problem is a lot of times we don't know where it went to because we don't have any recollection or we don't have any system in place to understand where it's going. Um, several years ago, I did a series called What's in Your Wallet? Um, and it was based on this, you know, the, the, the jingle that was, uh, I think it was MasterCard or one of those. But we talked about that. And one week we talked about literally, I gave a, a challenge. And I'm going to challenge today, okay? So I'll just get it out up front. I, I am going to challenge us. I wouldn't be worth my weight in gold if I didn't say anything about this. Uh, but it's one of those deals where I challenged our church. I said, here, for the next 90 days, there's two projects I want us all to work on. I want us to track our spending. I want us to kind of write down what we're spending and why we're spending and where we're spending it. And then I want you to do another thing. I want you, if you're not giving at all, like give, and here, by the way, the very last thing I'm going to talk about today is giving. I they would take my license away as a pastor if I didn't talk about giving in church, okay? So we're going to talk about it eventually. But I said, like, if you're not giving anything, I want to challenge you for the next 90 days. Give 1% of your income. Just 1%. Most people get it. Not even, it doesn't even phase them. And I said, now, I've been talking about this over the years. If you're giving one, try five. Try, try, if you're getting five, try eight. Try 10. Well, I challenge people that are tithers. Tithe in the Bible means 10%, okay? So I, lots of people in this church, many people in this church, um, tithe, right? So they give 10%. And I said, if you're a tither, you already know the value of what God wants to do through your finances. And I'm going to challenge you 12%, 15%, 20%. And so several people on one paper, I'm real close to this, this couple. One of, the, one of the couples got a, their W-2, or not the W-2, but the, the, the statement from the church about how much they gave. I, I'll tell you who it was. It was me. We got the statement. And I looked at my wife. I said, what are you doing? She goes, what do you mean, what are you doing? I said, like, we did not make this money. Like, like that, that is not what we made last year. She goes, I know, I forgot to stop them after the 90-day challenge a couple years ago. I, I, I forgot to stop it. <laughs> I, could be, I could be playing more golf or something. Like, what's going on here? But, but, but you know what the truth? Didn't even know it was gone. And what we started doing, I challenged the church, and I challenged our, us as a family. So I challenged this one lady walks up to me. She goes, Pastor Bobby, I'm going to take your challenge. I, I even made a challenge of this. Now, the elders of the church didn't like it when I said this. But I said, if you give for 30 days with the right attitude and God doesn't bless you in some form or fashion, I will personally pay you back 30. I meant the church would, but I would, you will get your, you'll get your 30 days back. Not anybody took me up on the offer. You know why I can make a bold statement like that? I believe God's word and he doesn't lie and he's truthful. And I have testimony after testimony of people that are sitting in this place right here, watching down at Sherwood, wherever, that can tell that story. But so this is what, this is what she did. She said, I'm going to, for, 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 for the next 30 days, I'm going to mark down everything, everything I buy, everything I spend, everywhere, just everything. And she said, Pastor Bobby, after 30 days, she goes, I was blown away. I said, what happened? She goes, I realized I was going to Starbucks six times a week to get coffee at $50 a cup of coffee. 
Uh, how much, is, seriously, I don't know how much, how much is a cup of coffee? I, I, I get the cheap stuff that we have here at the church, which is free, by the way. Like, y'all come walking in with them Starbucks things and like, well, yeah, yeah, I got me some Starbucks, got me the Bucks. I'm giving you free coffee right here that's just as good as the Bucks. May not have them fancy squirty things in it, but it's good. But what was it, $8, $10? That person must like you a lot. Okay, six and eight, six and eight. So back then it was six and eight, right? So she said, you know what? I could save myself $3,000 a year by not going to Starbucks. Not only, not to mention, I, I bet you lose weight in process because all the sugar that's in that stuff, right? So then she said to this, this is what she says. She goes, and then I started looking at the other areas that we were spending a lot of money. And she said, we were buying, I was buying, I would go to work and I would buy two Cokes at $1.50 every day, every day at work. So that's another 15 or $20. And, I, and some of you are getting really uncomfortable. Like, is he going to tell me to stop doing it? No, just track it. Just track it for a little bit and see what happens. Now, you don't have to be militant. It's a biblical principle. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 27, 23. This is our baseline for today. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure for all generations. It says know well what's coming in. Their crops, that was their, that was their money. That's where they got their money from. So he's saying, listen, know what you have. Know how many you have. A lot of us go through our lives, and, and I, 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 I did this little exercise a few years ago. You can do it today if you want to. Go home and look at your bank statement, whether you're online or whether you're still doing the old-fashioned way with analog check. However, look at what you spend money on. That's where your treasure is. If it's, if it's this, 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 and this, and you find this little pattern. And I'm not talking about, some people go, well, Pastor Bobby, what, 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 what do we do? Just look at your statement every once in a while. Look at what you spend your money on. Keeping track of finances doesn't need to be militant. I have a friend of mine, okay? This is not me this time. I have a friend that he goes to Publix, and when he goes to Publix, he comes back home, he lays everything out, he pulls his little, his little receipt out, and he has a spreadsheet for everything he buys. Oh, it's worse. It's so bad, it's not even funny. Detergent, laundry detergent, dry, liquid, different line items. Don't, don't, don't be that guy. Okay. You know why? You'll never keep, you'll never keep, you'll, you'll stop doing it. But you know something? You should know how much money this is. Hey, especially with inflation the way it is right now. So we had to have a family meeting. I'm pointing like Gina's right there. She was there first service. So she goes, we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut out some of the driving, like down to your hunting club and But, right, if you own a truck, $120 to fill a tank up of gas, you know, and, and, and your truck, my truck, I mean, we get like, what, a mile to the gallon or something? So it's one of those deals where that's why I'm saying it. And it's just a good practice to, to figure out. And you know what? Here, here's one of the biggest deals. And, and just catch, because when hard times do come, you know where your money's going. When hard times, and they happen, don't they? I mean, not just inflation and gas prices, like... My, my mother-in-law, um, I, I had the greatest father-in-law in the whole world. He was such a God-honoring man and loved Jesus like crazy. He was so generous. But he also was a saver, and he owned a bunch of apartment complexes and houses. And he got diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And I was like, you know, Mr. Harold, is there anything we can do to help out? No, 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 everything's taken care of. Well, I remember a couple of days after Harold, Mr. Harold died, 
I walked up to my mother-in-law and I just said, hey, mom, is there anything that we can do to help you out? Like, um, I used to be, I used to do estate planning and all that kind of stuff with Life of Virginia. And if there's anything, I, I, I just, and this is what she said. She goes, Harold was so concerned about making sure I was taken care of after he died that he, he had done it all. He had buy-sell agreements and everything. He had, the property was already sold upon his that Everything was taken care of. That's why we want to know what's going in and coming out. Because when tough times come, you're not leaving that mess to somebody else. And so that's a, that's a huge one. Proverbs says it like this, 13 verse 16. Every prudent man acts with knowledge. Now remember we talked about what the word prudent meant? I mean, common sense, you do the right thing. And I would think that every person in this room, man or woman, you want to be prudent. You want to be, you want to be God honoring with stuff. And so it says every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. We, we've all known people that have been like that. They flaunt their folly. They, they have, the, have the brand new truck and the ba- brand new car and the brand new you know, house and the brand new everything. And what happens to them? A lot of times, they're spiraling out of control. There, there, there's a reason why the root word of miserable is miser. There, there, there's a reason. There's a reason because there are people that put their money. So this is what happens a lot of times. We put our money in things that don't have much value. There was a story about a kid that he put his hand um, in a a vase, a very expensive vase. It was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and their mom was trying to figure out how to get it off, and they couldn't figure out how to get it off. And they tried the butter, and they tried the oil, and they tried to put Vaseline on it. They couldn't get it out. They couldn't get it out. And finally, to the point where she realized that she was losing this vase, and so she takes a hammer, and she breaks the vase open. And when she breaks the vase open, the little boy's hand is holding, just sitting there just like this, all the, the clay and all the, all the stuff. Above. And she goes, open your hand. And he opened his hand, and there was a shiny penny in there. If he had just opened it. And that's what we do as human beings. We hold on to things that aren't important. The things that are, that, 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 that honestly, the Bible talks about it like this. It says that, 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 that moths will destroy and rust will corrupt. And that's what we hold on to. And that's why it's important. We need to know what we're spending our money on so we can spend on the right things, the thing that God wants us. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his, flaunts his folly. That's, that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Decide where your money will go. So once you figure out where it's going, decide where it will go, and you make the plans. You manage your money. The money's not in charge of you. You are in charge of it. That means you're sitting down every week, every month, every year, and going, this is what I'm going to spend my money on, based on what you earn, based on what you, you know, decide where your money's going to go. Develop a plan. Now, I'm going to say a dirty word, and some people are going, oh, my gosh, it's the B word. It's a budget. Have a budget. Work your budget. Understand what comes in and goes out. And if you can't, if you can't pay for it, don't buy it. Here's some things you need to plan for. Your retirement. Like, don't wait to like honestly, I know I know I know a person that waited until they were 64 and a half to start working on their retirement. Tell me how that went for them. I said to a person one time, I said, do you have a retirement? He goes, I'm praying that Jesus comes back first. That's not a retirement plan. That's, that's, that's folly. That's, that's folly. That's what that scripture talked about in Proverbs. Here's another one, college tuition. If you want your kids to go to college, maybe they don't get Zell, maybe they're, you know, whatever it is. And just, how about this? I'm learning weddings for children. Good Lord, they're expensive. Three girls. Now I'm wishing I had boys. Only pay half the amount for the rehearsal dinner or something like that. 
right? How about this? I mean, I remember when my kids got out of the house, one of their first goals were, but all, all of them, purchasing their own house. You have to plan for that. Like they, they, they understood the value. We, we, we preach this. They understood the value of investing in themselves and a house was way more important. Now, if you can't do that, that's fine, but work toward it. How about this? How about just car maintenance and repair? Right? How about this? Dental expenses. How about Christmas? A friend of mine, I, we were at the lunch the other day and he was just... I, I, can you pick up my lunch today? I was like, yeah, it's you know, a couple bucks, 10 bucks. Yeah, I'll get it. He goes, yeah, because the credit card just started coming in for my Christmas last year. Well, what? He goes, yeah, I waited till December 11th to realize that Christmas was coming. Like how many people do that? And you know what happened then? He put it all on his credit card and now every, every month he's got a Christmas payment. I was like, man, Make sure we know what's going out and what's coming in. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of a diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone, everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. This is something we should do. If you're married, this is something we should do together. This is something we should have a business meeting every month and go, okay, this is what we're going to spend. This is what we're not going to spend. I'm going to give you two great resources. I know that this next access group, we're not having it, but you can still do it on your own. Financial peace by Dave Ramsey. Okay, that is not a cuss word in our church. We feel like Dave Ramsey has helped a lot of us in this room get out of debt, get into uh, giving uh, patterns, and, and, and be honestly healthy in our, in our financial lives. So, so Dave Ramsey is a great one. I think there's a couple books uh, on our, in our little book area over there. The other one is this one. It's an older one. It's called The Financial Planning Workbook by Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett was actually pre-Dave Ramsey, so that's still in circulation, still a great book. So there's two resources right there you can get on, and I'm telling you, if you get involved in that, it'll help tremendously. Here's the next one. Set aside a percentage to, to save constantly. Just like spending $6 on, on Starbucks every, every week, it accumulates itself. Setting aside $5 every day accumulates big amounts. Like, I'm telling you, like, it's amazing what happens exponentially. Proverbs chapter 13, 11 says, wealth gained hastily will be dwindled, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I mean, it's just a little bit here and a little bit there. I have a friend of mine. He actually comes to this church. I asked him if I can do a story. Um, a couple years ago, I was uh, look, thinking about trans transitioning some of my retirement stuff, okay? And so this is what he said to me. He goes, um, he said, there's only one problem, Bobby. In order for me to manage your funds, it's got to be a minimum of $250,000. And I'm like, I can't do that. And I said, like, are you only working for rich people? And he goes, no, they're people just like you. They just started saving a lot earlier. I'm like, who do you think you are? And throat punch you in Jesus' name. He said, no, they're, they're, they're people that work at Walmart and Publix, and they're people that work normal jobs and construction guys. They just started doing it a long time ago, and little by little by little by little by little, they became very wealthy. And what would happen if we would have done that when we were like 16 or 17? One of the things that we talk to, about our, to, to our kids all the time is save now. Live like nobody else is living now so you can live like nobody else is living later. That's Dave Ramsey, Right? So sacrificially now, so I can live how I want to live when I'm 64, 65 years old. Be, begin putting a little bit of side. It's, it, 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 Proverbs 21, 20. Precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Now, I didn't understand the first time I read that because it sounds like opulence, like precious. If you read it in the Living Bible, this is what it says. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. 
that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Like that, wise men, they save. The foolish people, every nickel that comes in is the nickel that goes out every time. Now, we all have known people like that. And so God tells us if we're going to manage his money well, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to save. We're going to, we're going to, here's another one. We're going to radically, radically, say that word with me because radically, nobody even wants to say it, eliminate debt. One of the greatest tools that I have ever been introduced to is what's called the debt snowball. It's Dave Ramsey, okay? So the first day I heard it, I said, it's stupid. Anybody else know what I'm talking about right there? All right. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? You take your smallest bill. Okay, and by the way, let me back up for a second. Too many people spend money to buy things they don't want just to impress people that they don't like. Listen to that for a second. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking literally about credit card debt. And what happens is we accumulate. We'll have this much on this one, this one. So the debt snowball does this. You take your lowest bill. So say you owe MasterCard, let's say $100. And then you owe you know, Visa 500, and you owe whatever. And then you have your car and all that. You take that smallest one first. You take whatever you can afford to put on that one. And eventually you, you buy that one down. You, sell, you, 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 you eliminate that debt. What happens is psychologically, it's a win. I remember it got so fun in our house. Like we would celebrate, we would party, we'd high five every time. A hundred dollar debt, man, it was gone. But psychologically, the snowball started to accumulate. And before you know it, we're out of debt. The only debt we have right now is our house and a car. And it's one of those deals where we're going crazy over those. And it's not because we make a lot of money. It's because I don't want to be in debt. I do not want to be, as, as the Bible talks about, a slave to the lender. I don't want that person to be my, hey, here it is right here. You ready for this? Anybody ever seen the MasterCard commercial? France, two tickets, $1,800 each. The place to stay in France, $3,000. Dinner with your spouse overlooking the Eiffel Tower, $4,000. And then the last line is my favorite line. The memories are, they really need to be honest and say the payments are endless. Because that's what really happens, right? And here's the deal. I'm not saying don't go to Paris because I can hear you right now going, well, you know, I've been working all my life. If you can afford it, Go wherever you want to go. You know what I'm finding out, honestly? I don't have to go anywhere to be happy. There's this new term that's been out the last couple of years. I think it's since COVID. It's called a staycation. Oh my God, where was that earlier? Like, it doesn't cost anything. And some of the greatest and fondest memories, tonight, Sunday night, when my family comes around my table, I'll have more fun and it won't cost me nearly as much. I'll have to pay for dinner, which it's about time my kids start paying for some of this. But anyway... Right? You know what I'm saying, though? And so every, every month, what happens is that comes in. What, what would happen? What could you do in your life? How, can you spend, how could you spend your money wiser if it wasn't paying off credit card debt? I love the way Stephen Wright says, the comedian says, if you think no one cares that you're alive, try missing a few payments. So I'm going to give you, I'm not a statistic person, but I like this one right here. 2021, last quarter, the United States alone was as high in credit card debt as it's ever been. It's, it, it peaked. And then just the last quarter, this is, what, this is what people in the United States own right now. Oh, 17, 
trillion dollars. And we wonder why we can't fund the kingdom. And, and we wonder why we're frustrated and we wonder why divorce is happening. Because we put lock, stock, and barrel in something that can't bring us happiness. What would happen? How would that change? Proverbs 6.1 is a story um, that, that Solomon writes, and he's telling his son, remember this was a whole uh, a series of letters to his son. He says, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. What he's talking about right there is co-signing a loan, but he's talking about any type of debt. Don't put yourself in debt because you, you literally feel like you're attached to that thing and you're a slave to it. What would happen if that wasn't in our lives? Romans chapter 13, 8. This is what he says. This is what Paul says. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another, uh, loves another has fulfilled the law. I'll say it again. You may want to write this down. You can tweet it. You can put it on Facebook. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. That's a great rule of thumb, isn't it? If you can't afford it, don't buy it. All right, here's the last thing. I told you, lose my license if I don't use this, do this one. So here it is. Give sacrificially, habitually, and extravagantly. That's one of the things that we're known for. As a matter of fact, when we say we, we talk about that. We're, we're extravagant, extravagantly generous. We believe that we, we believe because God's given us grace freely that we, we're in debt to him and we're emulating exactly what the Savior of the world did where it says that he gave his only son that none would perish. So we're emulating what the Father says we should do. And, and so, you know, people all the time, we have a tendency, and I'm like, I'll give you, here's a bold statement right here. We have a tendency to give only when it's easy to give. When everything's working out, when we're getting our, promotions and everything. The car's not broken down. My, my, my wife said something one time and, and it hurt my feelings. Remember I said this in week one, wisdom sounds a lot like my wife's voice. Anybody else in the room? Just one person. Perfect. Y'all, y'all, we're going to do a marriage series next. <laughs> um, I said to her one time, um, after I looked at that tithe statement that came in, and I said, you know, if we didn't tithe, do you know where we could live? And she said, yeah, a cardboard box in the corner. That's where we would be living. Because the, the Bible, God promises what happens when we give to him, when we're sacrificially giving, when we're, when we're making a, a point where it's intentional. He says, I'm going to knock. And we're reading it. It's in Malachi. He says, I'm going to open the storehouses of heaven. You're going to have so much you can't handle. And so that's what God's done over the years in our lives. And we have a tendency only to do that. That's a bad habit, by the way, to get into. If we only give when it's easy. One, it shows a lack of gratitude to God for all he's given to us in our past. Everything he's done, it says a lack of gratitude. Another thing is it shows a lack of trust for his ability to help us in the future. That's really what we have is a trust issue, not a money issue. We just don't trust God enough. We hold on to things that aren't important. And whether it's things are easy right now um, in your financial life or whether they're difficult, make it a habit to give to God on a regular basis. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with, and I love this word, first fruits. That means your very best. That means you're giving your very best. And we see it all through the scripture. And I'll say this, there's no such thing. I'll love, how many people love the songs we sang this morning? 
one, you guys are afraid to even raise your hand right now. I can see it on your face. You're like, I'm not getting suckered into this one. I said, man, you know what those songs were about today? Trust. They were about God, even in the middle of the problems and the storm, you're going to take care of me. I love that, that song. What's the name of that song, Tina, that says, I won't? What's the name of that one? Firm Foundation. I love it. So I'm like, I, I, I was sitting back on I love that. He won't. He won't. He won't. Bring it on, dude. Right? It's almost, it's almost mil- like, is it like, isn't there like April? Like, there's a lot of arrogance in that song, isn't there? Like, he won't. And so I'm sitting there going, First fruits means I'm bringing him my very best. That, that, that I'm not giving him the scraps off the table. I'm giving him, we made it a habit in our lives, and it's a tough one, that as soon as our check hits the bank, or you know when it goes into our thing, the very first check that we send out, we do it, we have the ability around here now to do it, it automatic drafts, and we don't even know it comes out anymore. But it's one of those deals where the very first thing, we've set it up, the very first thing that we do is give to God. That's the very first thing we do. And there's all kinds of ways to do, it, and I'll let Alan talk about that in a minute. So you can get mad at him. <laughs> Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce, everything you have. Then your barns. This is a promise, by the way, guys. Then your barns would be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And some of you are going, well, it's like an ATM machine. We just give to God. No, it's not that at all. But it's a promise that's fulfilled. And when we do this, and as a matter of fact, Throughout Scripture, all over the place, the amount that we give is in direct you know, correlation to the amount He blesses us. You, you give Him a little bit, He's going to bless you a little bit. You give a lot, He blesses you a lot. Malachi says it like this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house, and thereby put me into the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there is no need no more. What he say? Control your finances. Trust in, in God. And people ask me all the time, Pastor Bob, how much should I give? Well, I don't know your circumstances. Biblical model would be tithe, that's 10%. But I have people and friends of mine that, you know what? They want to be extravagant, and they do 12 and 15 and 20%. Uh, our, our goal in our family is to one day be able to say, we want, we want 25% of our salary going to the church. We believe in this church. We believe in the mission pro- projects of this church so much that we would love to be able to do that. That's where my heart is. That's where my wife's heart is. So we, we want to make sure that we're a part of that. But maybe today, you, maybe you're, you don't give. That's great. Did you feel, I don't want you feeling, don't, don't be guilted into giving. Start, start at 1%. Like uh, most of us in this room, can, well, we can do 1%. You know, maybe if you're doing one, just go to five. You know, make it an ultimate goal. Set, set up thing, you know. Maybe for 90 days. Maybe, maybe give it a chance for 90 days and go into it with the right attitude. Have, a, have the right heart. You know, like I, I'm, I'm going to do this because God, God, God says he's going to, you know, I'm going to do it. And see what happens. I was talking to one of my friends. He's a construction, he owns a construction company. But about 10 years ago, he said he was going to uh, start a construction. He was working in construction. But he said he was going to radically start giving to God. And one of the things that he did was he started tithing on, on his gross, everything, everything that he had coming in. And he said to me the other day, he goes, please don't tell anybody I did this work for you. He said, because I don't have any time to do any more work. I am so busy. And I said, you need to change that B word with the word blessed. You are so blessed. Because God has opened up the storehouses just as that passage. And I, I'm convinced of this. And I said this a couple times. We don't have a money issue in this world that we live in. Anybody have any money? Anybody have a $100 bill on them? Wow. Playa. 
My joker just flung his hand up. Payday. Can, can I? I can't. I, I'm, I'm old and bad knees. So, see, lots of people think that we have a money issue. Right? Um, you know, I need more of this. You know, if, if I just had a little bit more of this, or if I didn't make the mistakes that I made with this, everything, you'll get this back, I promise. Or I'll tithe it for you. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> just, just joking. I'm purely joking. The first service, a guy gave me a $100 bill and I put it in my pocket. And he chased me down after service. So I can have my money back. I, I, think, I think all the answers, to be quite honest with you, all the answers to all the questions we have in life are literally found on this. It, it is found on this. Not found in this. Found on this. It's when you turn it around and it says, in God, we trust. And that's what we've forgotten. That this is not a money issue. It's a trust issue. And when we trust God with our money, we can trust him with everything else. Our lives, our health, our marriages, everything, everything. In God, we trust. I want to pray for us today. We, we have a value here at Journey that we want to be an extravagantly generous church. And that happens because we have extravagantly generous people. People that want to make his name famous. Guilt, as Alan has said to me multiple times, guilt is a horrible motivator. It's a horrible motivator with our kids. It's a horrible motivator when we're talking about money or church attendance. So I'm hoping today you didn't feel guilty at all, but you felt challenged to be more like Jesus. He gave his life freely on that cross for us. And because of that, the only response I can have, grace was, grace was freely given and my life should be freely given back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name we pray. The greatest giver of all time. And maybe there's some folks in this room that did not and have not accepted the greatest gift. And today I pray that there's conversations happening with you, and them, that they would be understanding the greatest gift that was ever given was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God, I pray today that there would be, there would be convictions. There would be some changes made that where average church people are in debt, where average church people don't give. God, that that would be different here. Not so we can have bigger buildings, God, not so we can, God, it's so we can change the world, so we can tell the world about your dangerous message. And God, if we can do that, we pull our money together. We can, we're so much better together in that area, God. So I pray that you would use us, this church, this group of people, to change the world that we live in. God, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.